Welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. I uh, want to give a shout-out to all of those you, those of you who listened to our Christmas Eve running, walking, driving podcast. Uh, we got the numbers back from... Uh, we got the numbers back from from the people who pay attention to that stuff from Clark and uh, I think like almost 500 of you guys listened to it wow. on Christmas Eve or Christmas. I uh, again, we, we discussed on Sunday. I barely remember that podcast. I was somewhere trying to navigate traffic out of a parking lot or a parking garage onto a highway and to an airport, and then had flight delays. But um, that's fun though. Yeah, it's just cool that you guys are, are that invested in listening to us. Um, big game, big game, big game this week. Very big game. Colts versus Texans. Winner gets in. Loser goes home. Kind of are. kind of what you want from a oh, – I shouldn't say that. What you really want if you're a Colts fan is to be the one seed and have clinched three weeks ago. But um, as a sports fan, it's what you want. You want the winning in games. It's interesting because it's the uh, – 17th game of the season which used to be just the first playoff game and that's exactly how it feels it's two nine and seven teams the one wrinkle to it is if the jaguars were to lose then the winner of this has you know can be the afc south champion but either way whoever wins is moving on and whoever loses their season is done and that's just a fun way to uh cap the season off and just a lot of the circular nature of this whole thing is interesting because these two teams played week 18 here at Lucas Oil Stadium last year in a game that I'm sure was not nearly as popular with Colts fans as this one. Um, and the fascinating thing was a story that I wrote this week is just how the way that that ended with that Hail Mary from Davis Mills that went over Rodney Thompson's hands, uh, that touchdown decided basically the landing spots of both Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. And so Anthony, unfortunately, is out, but it gives them a lot of, you know, all their hope moving forward, uh, mixing him with this team that could make the playoffs. And then obviously CJ's had his own tremendous year. He's going to be the AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. And just amazing the way things work out because at the time we thought that, you know, the Texans really screwed it up. And they thought that too, considering they fired Lovey Smith before he got back home. Uh, they really wanted that number one pick. And that we'll never quite know, but a lot of, Plugged in people think it would have been Bryce Young uh, for various reasons. That's The Panthers took him number one, and it's also D'Amico Ryan's at the Alabama connection and all of that. But, you know, sometimes things work out. And so far it's working out for, for the Texans with C.J. Stroud and with D'Amico Ryan's. And so that's probably the, the only thing that I wish we really had in this game was the two young quarterbacks facing off. Hopefully we'll get many battles of those two in the future. But it is – a battle of Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans. And so just the way these two t- franchises have mirrored each other from that crazy game to now is pretty interesting. Do you feel like you have a good handle on who the Texans are? Because i got to be honest, after watching them in week two, like we, we obviously don't get a chance to watch every NFL game because we're covering a game every week. I don't know if I have a good like feel for them in terms of having, like, like having, having had eyes on them the way – you had eyes on some of the other teams because they also haven't played a primetime game. The Colts are playing in primetime. Um, they were two of the three teams that did not – two of the three teams that did not get a primetime game on this schedule were t- Houston and Indianapolis. So I have not seen them play since then. Um, do, do you feel like you have a good sense for who the Texans are at this point? I think so because it's interesting just following along how their season's gone, which I've mostly just followed to see kind of how this game would shape up. But they – 
you know, they, they're a team that drafted a quarterback, obviously number two overall, and they have a brand new head coach. They lost their first two games, and I think that was the that was sort of the, the training wheels coming off. So they got hammered at Baltimore, which we've since learned Baltimore's a really good team, but Colts beat them in their building too. And when they started 0-2, I remember at that time us saying, like, well, this team is not very good because the three years before this, they were combined 11-34-1. And, and you add that in, so that's 11-36-1. You know, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. We didn't know how good these guys were. But as things have progressed since then, I think we've learned that both D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are – really really good they've won cj has won eight of his past 12 starts so he missed a couple games uh with a brain injury but he's he's eight and four since that game against the colts and they've uh it has always been lighting up the scoreboard uh because you know they've they've had some tough offensive injuries uh titus howard on the offensive line and uh tank dell who is a breakup breakout wide receiver for them but for the most part when cj stroud has been out there the mix of his confidence and uh, ability to take care of the ball while being aggressive down the field with Nico Collins. Combine that with uh, D'Amico Ryans and the way he's just kind of advanced that defense when Will Anderson is out there. That's the other one I'd throw in there is, is Will Anderson's health. When they have those guys, the, the, the three pillars that they took to turn this around, I think they've had a tremendous impact. Now, two of those are still rookies, um, you know, and, and D'Amico – Ryan's is in his his first year, but so I don't know quite how far they can go. But I think they they can play with just about anyone with the three of them are out there. Um, Stroud's season is interesting. If you if you look at the the obviously the traditional accounting stats, they're really really good. Um, in terms of some of the advanced stats, like you know his EPA plus completion percentage over expected, he's kind of he's fifteenth. It's. I mean, it's not bad. He's he's around you know Trevor Lawrence and Geno Smith and some of those guys, but it's not quite where he was earlier in the season. Um, I kind of wish I would have seen some of the last couple of games just to have some kind of idea of like what what goes into that. Well, I think yeah, losing Tank Dell hurt some things for him. Noah Brown was out the last game too, and he was coming back from his own injury. So I think it's understandable that a little bit of that has dropped off. It's interesting. I think that because you're. What you're reading off is the, the completion percentage that has dropped a bit. But season long, he's third in the NFL in yards per attempt. Only Brock Purdy and Tua have more. And uh, he's uh, – get this other stat here that I had pulled up here. Um, his average throw depth is the most in the NFL. So he is – that's why I think a little bit of completion percentage comes and goes because they're, they're, they're running this offense that – they throw across the middle a lot because that's a sort of wide zone play action scheme. But they, they really, when they, outside of some of these schemed up kind of quick reads off of play action in the middle of the field, they will go, they will attack aggressively outside the numbers and down the field. So I think losing one of those targets has hurt. The in and out nature of, of CJ uh, getting hurt, you know, has slowed that a little bit. But for the most part, like they have, they've, played in this way that is creative explosive plays down the field and that's kind of all season long he stood up there it's made I think the Texans that that even when they get in moments where you know they'll fall behind uh, they can work back because of you know they do have an ability to be pretty explosive it's not the same without Tank Dell um, partly because Nico Collins plays you know good amount in the slot so they kind of are limited on those perimeter true you know get down the field quickly type of players uh, 
and we'll see how Noah Brown and, and Robert Woods fare in the injury report this week. But for the most part, that's um, I think that kind of explains that. It, it feels like a game. It feels like a game where the pass rush is is, and this is this has really been true the entire season. So I don't know that it really is is that surprising. But it feels like a game where the pass rush has to win big, win often, you know, win all the time. Yeah, if you think back to that game in week two, it's interesting because CJ had his second highest yards of the season, 384. But the Texans were, you know, they lost that game by 11. I remember them missing a field goal, so it could have been a little closer, but they were always chasing that whole day because the Colts came out and they had Anthony Richardson run for two touchdowns, but they also had that early strip sack right away, I think first or second drive, and then punched it right in. Uh, when they ran that that uh, nifty kind of sweet play with Anthony Richardson, so this is sort of the the matchup for the uh, with C.J. Stroud is like he, given the makeup of the Colts with their youth at outside cornerback, we'll see if Kenny Moore plays, but Julian Blackman is out. You can expect C.J. to get his in terms of production yards, some chunk plays down the field, but you also want to get yours in terms of the explosive plays in the pass rush. I think sacks, strip sacks, uh, he's hard to intercept. He's only thrown five this year, but this, the fumbles are a thing where uh, he is still – like he is a, a pretty pure pocket passer. He's grown in that way um, kind of ever since that Georgia game when it was his breakout. But that's still you, – you hit this guy, the ball can come out. So the Colts have to – they have to do that. They have to get to him. He's been sacked a little – a decent amount this year. Uh, he's had offensive line injuries. Laramie Tunsil's working back from an injury. Titus Howard's hurt. So uh, this is – we say it every week, but it's like it's on the Colts' pass rush. Also because, as I bring up a lot, they're the healthy unit. They have some – luckily for them, and, and and they could be happy about it, is they've kept their full rotation healthy and humming. And this is a game to like those, – those guys got to really put on their backs because um, you just – they're living with things in the secondary, and it, and it worked enough against Aiden O'Connell and kind of one main target in Devontae Adams. This week it's going to be harder across the board for that secondary, but their pass rush has a chance to do kind of what it did against the Raiders, and honestly it probably needs to do a little bit more, get to the quarterback, affect him a little bit more, and see if he can get a turnover. Yeah, this is this is sort of the inverse of last week. I think that the you know the the Raiders game, it's not a not a great quarterback situation. Stroud is definitely better. Stroud is definitely, you know, better than Aiden O'Connell. Probably better than he's better than Heineke. He's better than I'm trying to remember all the backup quarterbacks now. Mitch Jake Trubisky, Browning. Jake Browning. Um, are we calling Will Levis a backup quarterback anymore? I think he's their starter. Kind of. Does Mac Jones is a backup quarterback now? I think Will Levis is the Titans starter now. It is. It's a gray area. Gray who's area. Who's the last with him. quarterback they faced? Who's you'd say on CJ's level? Um, we put so so the one interesting one is Baker Mayfield's had a really nice year. That game was kind of weird because he had the Mayfield ankle issue. It's Mayfield. Do you think he was healthy that game? I well, I don't think he was healthy that game. But in terms of like just the yeah, the, the basic, uh, you know, the full on, just just who the quarterback is because I I do think you're right. I think when he got hurt early in that game, it changed the way he. He could play, but Mayfield is the last one who's even. We well, got Derek Carr in there. 
but he hasn't technically that technically level, if you believe think. some of the advanced statistics jake browning is sort of in there but i i think in re- re- realistically i don't know that he's quite as good as some of these epa plays yeah, maybe you could, I mean the Bengals passing game you could put up there because they've got Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Well, that's the interesting thing because the the thing about the Texans is with Dell down, and then Robert Woods is dealing with something this week. Yeah. Um, Noah Brown's banged up. Noah Brown's banged up. It's basically Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. And I think that's the difference. I, Nico Collins has had a great season. He's got he's at eleven hundred and two yards, fifteen and a half for catch. He's not Devontae Adams or Jamar Chase or some of these guys that they've played recently. He's basically had Michael Pittman's season and similar players too, big-bodied receivers that can move into the slot and create matchup problems. But, yeah, it's not that uh, – it's not like Devontae Adams, they were like, okay, he's he's going to get a ton of yards. Can we just, like, survive it? I don't – the Texans don't quite have a guy like that. It's interesting the way it works out is they're going to – live a ton in the middle of the field they already do but if if their healthy targets are nico collins and dalton schultz i mean that's kind of right where they're at it's not the worst time for that for them if again i kenny Moore practiced today i i'm assuming he'll find a way to get back but julian blackman out so there's a shift there ronnie harrison's playing strong safety and then just don't feel like the colts linebackers have been as in good coverage lately uh zaire franklin has not He's not playing his best there. And Dalton Schultz is sort of the kind of your experienced veteran safety blanket type tight end. So he hasn't been like the focal point for them, but he's going to be become more of that this week. Yeah. Yeah. Dalton Schultz has 54 catches. That's going to be a uh, one to watch. Um, the Colts are kind of in a spot where it hasn't necessarily been obvious every game, but they're, they've pretty consistently been in the bottom 10 in the NFL against tight ends. So Schultz is going to be one to watch, I think, this week. Um, mm-hmm. Tunsil coming back. Laramie Tunsil practiced for the Texans this today. At least that's what we're seeing from, from down there. I don't know how effective he is. Sometimes guys practice without playing. He's got, it's got hip and knee things. But I think the Braden Smith, the way Braden Smith played in his return from injury is kind of a reminder that, like, with these really, really good players, these these top of the line offensive linemen, like if they're in the lineup, they're a problem. And keep in mind, he did not play against the Colts in the first matchup. So that was a game where Samson Epicom and Quiddy Pay kind of had their way on the edge. And so that is kind of the shift the Texans need is you, you give CJ Stroud time right now. He's working pretty well through progressions, including one of his progressions is to take off and run for what's there, which he you know, that was a big criticism of him a long, long time at Ohio State. He didn't do that. He's doing that now. So that's where that pressure is just important to throw him off some of this. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those where they're, they've are they got – it looks like, as long as Tunsil makes it through the week, that they're going to have – it looks like they could have their best lineman back out there. Colts pass rush has to show that, like, they can do it anyway, that they can – they can be that unit that they're currently fifth in the NFL in sacks. You know, they set the Indianapolis record. Like, this is their moment uh, because right now it just what we've seen so far is if you let C.J. sit back there, even though he's missing a couple of receivers, he's still he's going to be pretty lethal against what's a really, really young secondary for the Colts and linebackers who are struggling in coverage. So, yeah, I'd put everything on the pass rush again. And that's where, like, you know, the edge is one thing, but DeForest Buckner, like, he he's coming off. I mean, he said he 
his floor is so high that it's it's hard to really say this, but I felt like last week was the most impactful I've seen him uh, snap to snap or, or one of the more impactful games. So we're going to need that kind of a game again, just walk guards back into the lap of a young quarterback and see how he responds. Yeah, another offensive lineman for t- for Houston who is who is practicing. We're taping on thir- or on Wednesday. I, it feels like Thursday to us um, because it's Thursday in, NF- in the Colts week. Um, is Shaq Mason. So that's another one of those interior guys that Buckner and Odangbo and Taekwon Lewis will be going up against. It, it's it's they. I know everyone wants to see them go all out after the quarterback, and you know I I, I don't have. Stroud's numbers against the blitz right here in front of me, but it kind of feels like another game like last week where, you know, the Colts, if the Colts can avoid explosive plays and create some of their own, it's a big deal. Um, Shane Steichen would say that's probably the the case every week, but, you know, this, this you can't let them get, you can't let CJ get 60 in one go or 50 in another go, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is he's going to take some really aggressive shots down the field depth-wise. So the, it's interesting with him is you know, I thought at his best coming out of Ohio State, I compared him to Justin Herbert because what I really like about both of them is their ability to like confidently and, and with velocity attack kind of deep outside the numbers in a way that because they're so kind of quick-minded about it and their arm's good enough to do it, they don't really risk – interceptions so cj's only had five even though his average depth of throw is is the largest or the longest in the nfl so sort of like he takes these shots that are his guys are nobodies but they complete them more than a lot of teams so putting guys in one-on-one coverage is going to be problematic you know nick cross has moved to free safety because he's he's more athletically equipped to play single high and adjust and get to some of these balls. That was one of the issues they were seeing with Rodney Thomas is he just wasn't getting there quickly enough to help out uh, some of the young corners when they are in one-on-one initially off the snap. So, uh, so, you know, they're going to, I think really try and guard in a way that, that prevents those explosives. And over time, like you make the Texans run more plays. That's more theoretical, dropbacks for their offensive line against your pass rush with the Colts which the Colts consider a win and then obviously the the other thing we haven't talked about they've got to stop the run which they did last week but you know it's been leaky you know last week they didn't have to face Josh Jacobs uh so that helped them out it's been leaky at other times it's been kind of I could actually call it kind of hit or miss since Grover came back we know why it was leaky before that but Grover Stewart coming back at times they've plugged it up uh, at times, the tackling has not been as sharp, uh, and I think the Texans are just a kind of an average run team with Devin Singletary, but but capable enough to where like you want to be able to you want to make them drive a lot. They're not the most explosive run team. They don't really they don't use CJ Stroud in that way, so you want to make them run enough plays where they have to drop back and drop back, and eventually they drop back. As when your pass rush can get home. They're actually quite bad at running the football. Are they? They're 26th in the NFL. They average 3.8 yards per carry. Um, yeah, they, they don't necessarily have uh, – Singletary is averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Pierce is at 2.9. Yeah, I know he's falling off. That's a very bad number. Um, so they're, they're maybe not as – the, the pass, get, pass game feels like it's the, the thing with the Texans. 
So this is, I guess, where it's shifted. It's season long does sound like they haven't been very good because I know Pierce has struggled a lot. But starting uh, starting mid-November against the Bengals is when they kind of just shifted. They moved the backfield all to Devin Singletary. And that's where it seems like it's gotten better. Um, just in the past – In the past eight games, he's been at four and a half yards per carry or better in seven of them. So it is coming together for him. It's uh, there's two hundred yard game, three hundred yard games in there. So I don't know. It seems like they've they've improved as the season's gone on. Maybe it's just that simple. They just switched. Yeah, much back. better in the second half of the season. If you look at the bye game, much 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 better in the second half of the season. And there's a lot on, like their run game runs through that running back because CJ, that's not his game. I mean, he's run for three touchdowns, but it's. You know, it's like 147 yards, and yeah, I just I don't know why it took them as long as it did to go to Singletary. I guess a lot of people were high on Damian Pierce, so they they kind of rode with that. But um, they've been better lately. Offensively for the Colts, well, actually, one more thing, uh, just on the blitzing. I, I think one of the things that that sometimes gets lost in the blitzing discussion is that if you blitz a lot, you're opening yourself up to explosive plays, like. Just and I know that if you're a proponent of heavy blitzing, that your your automatic thought is, well, if we get to the quarterback, there's no play to give up. But like the 58 yarder that Alec Pierce caught last last week was a cover zero six man rush. That's that's the danger. The danger mm-hmm. is one corner lined up against one player, um, nobody there to stop him. That's that's the danger, and that that's kind of why the Colts have done this. I know not everybody likes that that approach. They do, I don't they they don't feel like they have the secondary players to go after somebody. Uh, consistently and not give up the explosive plays. Yeah, and uh, you lose Julian Blackman, you edge yourself more into that area. Uh, so you know Nick Cross. Like I said, I think they're I think they're better at that spot, but there is still sort of a trust feel. He's only making his fourth career start and only his second start at free safety. So, just how much do they want to gamble with a single high safety in his second career game playing single high safety? Uh, that is that is kind of the danger there. On the same token, let's go to the other side of the ball. Let's start with the run game. Jonathan Taylor obviously coming off of probably one of his better games of the season, 96 yards, 21 carries. Colts ran very well against a Raiders defense that was hot. Um, they're going to get another run defense that's been pretty good this season and not just recently. Uh, the Texans, I believe, are second in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. The last, let's go last six games. The last time somebody ran really well on them was against Arizona. They gave up 123 yards and 25 carries in that game. That was 4.9. Since then, they gave up 2.7 to Jacks, 3.9 to Denver, 3.0 to the Jets, 2.2 to Tennessee, 1.8 to Cleveland, and 2.5 to Tennessee. That is a run defense that has played very well recently. Yeah, that's impressive. That's, I mean, that's the... In a lot of ways, the D'Amico Ryan's effect is he sort of came in, took over an incredibly, incredibly young defense where they added Will Anderson, but obviously he's a rookie, so they, they were going to stay quite young. And then th- the idea was throughout the course of the year, they would kind of grow into those schemes, and uh, it seems like they have. Um, you know, I think – was Sheldon Rankins banged up? Sheldon Rankins is banged up. Sheldon Rankins is banged th- – this is the other piece of this. Their pass rush – I don't think Will Anderson is practicing today. Jonathan Greener didn't play last week. Sheldon Rankins is banged up. The the pass rush for them is not in a good spot physically. Yeah, and that's going to be 
huge. I mean, it, like when Will Anderson, he's got seven sacks, and uh, Jonathan Greenard has 12.5. So when they can kind of get that moving, I mean, it's a it's a different group. That's where like they're hard to know what to do on when they have that working because they've get they've got this better run defense, and then when they when you try and drop back against those guys and throw, Derek Stingley. It's only played ten games. But he has five interceptions. Uh, yeah, there's good young so. talent in the secondary. Very yeah. good young talent in the secondary. Jalen Petrie too. So like that's what they want you to do is like put you in these obvious pass situations and then make you go after these guys who are, you know, just have great ball skills in the secondary. So I'll be interested to see the next couple of days on the pass rush. Uh, just just see who's coming back and doing what because I. I'm not sure what Will Anderson's status entirely is. But honestly, I should have said, when I said there are three cornerstones that turn them around, it's really four cornerstones if you take it back the year before when they spent a high pick on Derek Stingley. He's only played 10 of their games so far. So they had to live without him a lot in October. But uh, like I said, he's been he's been out there. It's 12 pass def- deflected and five interceptions. So he's going to be the guy that is off and on Michael Pittman Jr., and obviously, as we know with the Colts, if you like, so much their offense goes through him. Pittman is established enough that I think he's going to produce against most anyone. But it could be a situation where, you know, like when the Browns had Denzel Ward on Michael Pittman Jr., he was able to pick off a pass. Uh, there's if you can kind of trade the blows there um, and make the Colts kind of work around that matchup a little bit. You know, we've seen that Colts have done a lot of good things on offense this year, but. Uh, they're just they're still very very heavily relying on Michael Pittman Jr. So that that's one matchup that could help the Texans if they have the pass rush. If they don't, uh, then I think it becomes a little easier for the Colts to work through progressions and involve those other players. Yeah, we actually missed one, uh, Malik Collins. So just to put this in perspective, and and I think I think several of these guys are expected to play. I don't think the Colts are in a situation where they're not going to get any of them. But these are the Colts' top four sack people on the season. Jonathan Greener, 12 and a half. Will Anderson, 7. Sheldon Rankin, 6. Malik Collins, 5. None of them practiced on Tuesday. Hmm. All of them are dealing with something serious enough that they did not practice on Tuesday. Beyond that, it's Jerry Hughes, Derek Barnett. I mean, these are names you know, but not necessarily names that are, are frontline pass rushers anymore. If if those guys are, are – if those pass rushers are neutralized or or limited in any way – it feels like there's a lot of teeth out of the Texans' pass rush. One thing I want to check: Did they do the walkthrough on Tuesday? Like, the yeah, Colts? they did. Yep. Okay. Well, then everybody another estimated. Uh, so it's just estimated. So that's more like what they would have done. Because I, was, yeah, it's uh, well, they just put everyone on the out list for. There's the a little bit of Patriots stuff. There's probably a little bit of Patriots stuff going on there. You know, the, like the Patriot style, put everybody yep. on the injury report so you can't tell who's actually hurt. Yep, that's. Uh, that's exactly where their front office came from, right? So, yeah, it's a uh, that's what it always makes this kind of hard to know quite who's going to be out there and at what levels, and that's true for the Colts too. So, they are Colts are getting healthier. Um, I know this though, real quick. I know this. According to Houston reporters, none of none of those four pass rushers, none of those four pass rushers were practicing Wednesday. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not so that the, that estimated part is not sort of the vet day that you'd expect. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They're probably just getting on them as ready as they can for 
this weekend. You know, the Colts are getting healthier, getting Braden Smith back last week. So we talked about his big. He's well, he really was hobbled and then worked through it and did did pretty well against Max Crosby. So you hope he's able to take another step to get back. Kenny Moore working back from the back injury. He sounded like he was close on Sunday but couldn't quite go, but he's he was out there practicing today. I would expect him to go. And then but the other one is Ryan Kelly. Ryan has, Kelly's the one I think has to not watch. been out there. Uh he's been in a boot. We've seen him this week. Uh working through an ankle injury. It's tough with him because on one hand he plays through stuff, on the other hand like there he he gets hurt sometimes and unfortunately this is the latest one he's dealing with. So luckily for the Colts, Wesley French has stepped in and played and it sounds like he might not have to go up against the full version of the Texans uh defensive line, but you know, it is something though to in a, in a game of big magnitude, it helps that the Colts are at home. But a game of big magnitude, you know, a backup center setting the protections and everything, like stuff like that, can end up mattering. It'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think some of this stuff is going to go up to Saturday. It's going to be a good atmosphere. I'm expecting a really good atmosphere. This is, um, you know, it's a night game. You know, it's a Saturday night game, so people don't have to worry about getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I'm expecting I'm expecting Colts fans to be pretty excited excited about this. I don't think anybody really thought they would be here at this point, and they're pretty excited about the chance to go to the playoffs. I think so too. It's been interesting this season because it's like <laughs> there was so much excitement early on when Anthony Richardson's playing and they're winning. They start out three and two, and then you know, and then understandably to a point dipped. You know, losing him and, and the excitement of the rookie quarterback. They fall to three and five. It starts to look like this might not work and then I think it's taken some people time to get excited again as they've kind of survived for a few weeks when they were playing the Panthers and the Patriots and you're just wondering like does this team quite have enough but even with a couple of bad losses lately against the Bengals and the Falcons they have risen up in other moments against the Steelers and the Raiders and put themselves in this position and I think when you're in this position kind of whenever it feels like you have a playoff game which is essentially what this is like fans get really into that. Like I, I mean, I've only covered one other actual playoff game is when the Lions went to Seattle in 2016 with I banged up Matthew Stafford and they're facing the Legion of Boom and everyone knew they weren't going to win that. But fans were stoked just to be in that moment to have this idea that like, oh, you don't have to beat them, you know, like an NBA series. You have seven times. You have to beat them one time, and it's one shot for both teams to kind of see who can. Uh, come out on top and, and make it in the postseason and it is it is house money for them because it's like if they lose this game their next game theoretically should have Anthony Richardson back so there's plenty of reason to believe it gets a lot better if they win this though you know, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs and you're getting important playoff reps for a lot of young players in this team that have never been through this and really it's, what's just been cool is to see uh, just some of the guys on this team kind of have this rebound season and enjoy what it's like to win again and be in important games. And so I just remember last year, as I contrasted with that Texans game, we went the final like four games last season where you just knew there was nothing on the line for the Colts in it. We had no idea what, where the future was going to go. There was just there wasn't a lot of hope or interest in the moment or the future tangibly at that point. So right now you have both of these where the, the future's exciting. The presence fun, and I think we'll see that reflected on Saturday night. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's not even like 2021 because it, it kind of feels like they're playing with house money. 
Kind of feels like both teams are playing with house money, which is a little bit different. We'll be back uh, on Saturday night, probably very tired. This is the first primetime game, which means the first really, truly late-night podcast. Uh, but for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins, and we'll see what happens on Saturday night.